Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Father-Son Packers podcast here from a brief week-long hiatus after the end of the season. This will be your first episode of the off-season. My name is Tommy, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, my dad, Matt. Dad, how are you doing? Good. Welcome, everybody, to the off-season version of the uh, Father-Son Packers podcast. We are still following football, maybe not as intently. (laughs) Still rooting against a few teams, I must admit. Not not quite rooting yep. for as many teams as I was earlier. I in haven't the year. quite figured out who I want to win the whole thing. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe Buffalo, I would say. But anyway, we are here. We will be doing one of these episodes every single week for the rest of the off season as opposed to our usual two a week in season, breaking down essentially how the Packers season went, what we think will happen going forward with some of the Packers players, the draft, different uh, free agency and contract uh, decisions that need to be made on the Packers part. And we're going to start off this whole offseason thing kind of with a bit of a retrospective on certain positions and a bit of a looking forward at those positions. We're going to split it into four episodes over four weeks. We're going to do two episodes on the defensive position split up and then two episodes on the offense position split up, kind of reviewing how each player played, what we thought about the coaching, what we thought about the approach, and kind of what we think going forward that position group might look like and how we think the actions will be taken on each of those players. We are starting today with the defensive line, edges, and linebackers, the front seven on defense. Dad, how are you feeling about these positions just kind of off the bat? How do you feel like the whole front seven did as a as an entire run-stopping unit this year with the 31st-ranked run defense in the league? <laughs> yeah, we can talk about that a little bit. But I have to say, like, overall kind of disappointing. Yes. And some of the disappo- some of it was uh, the edge group didn't do as well because they lost Gary, their best player, for about half the year. But the linebackers did not do as well as we as you might have hoped for at least for much of the year. And the D line was uh, regressed a little bit, even though they've still added more to it. Yeah, I mean, do you remember at the beginning of the year when Joe Barry was like, "We think we got a special defensive line," and oh, it turned and, out and that all... they were just dominating Jake Hansen and Royce Newman every single play. In exactly the what I was going to say. It's like, man. This D-line is just crushing the Packers' like, offensive line in training camp. Wow, they can't keep and, them out of the backfield. Yeah, it's because uh, it's Hanson and Newman. And now we know why. It's like they can't stop them out there. Wow. It's like, and yeah, the D-line was pretty disappointing overall. It just, it just shows you how bad that O-line was that we trotted out in the beginning in week of one. the year. And really just threw a few They were away. getting absolutely crushed that, that by O-line, this D-line. By a D-line that finished dead last in adjusted line yards can you and can you tell our listeners what adjusted line yards are since you we are going to be talking about that a little bit yeah so that's a, a a football metric from football outsiders that is trying to break down what part of the run game is being given up by the um the defensive front as opposed to the part of the run game that's being given up by like the linebackers and safeties those are like the open field um, yards as opposed to the adjusted line yards. And as I understand, it's essentially how much push they're giving up to the offensive line, right? It's like how much they're getting reset. Right. And some of it, I think it's going to be like how I think, I think one of the things that feeds into that, though, I don't know all the details I'm sure is going to be like yards till first contact. Mm -hmm. 
and yeah, things like that. It's an amalgamation are, are of a few different feeding numbers. into the adjusted line yards. Yeah, but so, anyways, yeah. If you don't, if they, if they, if they, uh, yeah, I don't know what the, the, does it count as a infinity if the uh, nobody on the defensive line gets sets, lays a finger on the runner. Well, whichever metric you look at, whichever <laughs> way you slice it, the D line was not because great this some, year. there are certain times where. I think a running back could have gone to infinity against this defensive front. I mean, just kept running out of the stadium. They certainly needed the stop forest sign at the end of the end zone for a few of these. Yes. But anyway, since we're talking about it, like we said, we're going to go through three different position groups, D line edge and middle linebacker today. Dad, let's start with the D line. Let's talk a little bit about their performance this year, how we think they're going to look going forward. And you want to kick us off with the guy that makes everything go Kenny. And honestly, I thought a bit of a down year for Kenny this year. A little bit, yeah. So I've organized the uh, the D line part of as by by sort of snap count per game and yeah, you know, sort of front line as well. Um, frontier players first, and Kenny, of course, is the only player on the team who's ever shown the ability to be a top tier defensive lineman on this team. So he's set, the other thing that's interesting about this, and I just say it right up front: our top three snap counts all were drafted in the same year, huh. twenty sixteen. Clark, Reed, and Lowry all came out in the same same draft. Yeah. And- um, so and Kenny's 27, Reed's 30, and Lowry is 28. So Kenny was young when he came out. Yeah, he was he only He led like the 19. team with 807 snaps, 348 against the run, 459 against the pass, or 47 snaps a game. Um, in terms of his uh, counting stats, he finished the season with five sacks and 45 pressures. So like, in terms of pressures per snap count, that's about 10%. And 18 run stops. Just to compare this to 2021, which wasn't even his best year, is a sharp drop in the number of pressures and the number of run stops. He had mm-hmm. 68 pressures in 2021 compared to 45 this year, and 31 run stops compared to 18 this year. Mm-hmm. He also you could, had. Yeah. You oh, could really he, feel it out there. It's like you, you could tell just watching that it didn't feel quite as impactful this year i agree right and he also well, i'll talk a little bit about some of the i think some parts of the year uh, wondering what was going on a little bit um his pff grade overall was only 66.4 it's just a little bit above average and he had the lowest run d grade of his career and uh overall by pff he was only the 41st ranked interior defensive lineman um and he was the best on the team yeah he ranked 41st overall in the league um for the season Though he was still 15th in pass rush um, grade by PF. So not too bad, but, but his 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 uh, run um, grade was outside the top 50. I didn't actually look to count where it fell. Mm-hmm. Um, and looking at his run defense grade more generally, it has dropped two years in a row under Barry. So the last each, each, last year is this year was worse than last year, and last year is worse than the year before than it was under Petten. This year, he really struggled in the middle of the season from weeks 8 to 12 with four of the five games grading out as a poor or below average overall. So was there some kind of undisclosed injury? Was something going on that they didn't talk about that was dragging his performance down? But he played better at the end, and his um, best game of the year was against Minnesota. Um, and and his, his, his uh, second best game of the year, just to mention, it was against Tampa early in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I mean, um, I think everyone's best game on defense was against Minnesota, if we're being honest, which is pretty cool in I my have, opinion. But I have another one in here. I think uh, uh, I think one more that one other D lineman had the best game of the year against uh, Minnesota. So he's entering 
the fourth of a five-year contract going in, in 2023. He'll be in the fourth year of the five-year contract he signed most recently. And he's set to count $24 million on the cap in 2023 and, and 2024, about the same. But they could convert some of his $13 million salary in 2023 to a bonus, to a signing bonus, to push some of the cap back um, to 2024. It'll make this coming year easier, but 2024 worse. Yeah. And there are reasons why they might do this for multiple players, actually. I think and they're going to hit that, the restructure button on pretty much anyone they can this offseason. And you know why you would do this? Um, and is, why you could get away with it and won't actually hurt the team all that much. Is because you, you're thinking the 2024 total salary cap hit for the QB position is going to be substantially lower than 2023. Yeah. And so you can have everybody on the team in this on both years and everybody except the quarterback position is going up in salary in 2024. And the thought is just essentially one of Rodgers and Love will not be here in 2024. It doesn't matter which one, but one of them will not be and the cap hit will be less. Um, for me, I think just kind of tacking on to what you were saying about Kenny. It's so hard because he's not playing with anyone who's any good next to him for me to put a particular amount of blame on him for the 31st ranked run defense. He was worse this year. He was getting beat, especially in that Titans game, I think was the worst game of the year for him. It felt like at least he's getting beat by a backup center like several times in that game, which just can't happen. And yeah, actually, so let's see. Am I on Kenny? Yeah. His two worst games were Buffalo and the first Detroit game, hmm. actually. And yeah. the Titans game was not as bad. I still think that that was his worst Despite game, the, personally. Yeah, the, the eye Just test. When, but when you think, the like, PFF doesn't take into account context. Like, you're playing against right. a backup center. You should be dominating. Like, you should be yep. kicking his butt. But instead, you, you can't move him, which I think was a little disconcerting for me uh beyond that though i mean for kenny it's just you he's your best player on the d-line you need to get him some help you hope that next year wyatt is able to give him some support and that they're able to give wyatt more snaps i think that helped a little bit as the year went on uh giving wyatt some more snaps the d-line was a little bit more successful getting i think slayton more snaps at nose tackle as the year went on and putting kenny over to three tech was also pretty good for him. I thought he was a lot better over there than he was at nose this year. And some of that is like he's playing at a lighter weight under Barry. And maybe at this lighter weight, he's not fully equipped to be playing like right over the center anymore and taking on double teams all game. Maybe maybe he's just going to have to move over to three tech and play Slayton as a full-time nose and just see what happens from there and then play Wyatt with him. Maybe that's the move. But I think that that's probably what I would do going forward. I mean, you need, you yeah, need to be we saw probably still your second best, third best player on defense. Yeah, it seemed like we saw more of him at like three tech or, you know, in the B gap um, or over tackle yeah, than we had than, you know, over B gap or, or right over the tackle than we had in the past. Yeah, and I mean, they just they need more from him because of the lack of like production from everyone else it's like the expectations are high and he's been able to do it for several years which is very like it's commendable for him but i think definitely a down year for him back to back down years in the run game you don't know how much of that is barry's scheme since both those years are under barry it's it's just tough um but that let's move on to our next d lineman um for jaron reed he's 30 years old 
He's uh, finished seven years in the league now. Um, he was second on the sna- team in snaps, 705, 310 against the run, 395 against the pass, 42 a game. PFF grade of 61.9, slightly below Kenny, right around average again. Finished with four sacks and 33 pressures and 28 run stops. Uh, like Kenny, he also struggled in the middle of the season, weeks 9 to 13, and had his best game against Miami with four pressures a sack and the forced fumble that essentially swung the game on Christmas Day for the Packers when Miami was going to drive before the end of the first half. Um, contract was only a year. Uh, void years are going to count $1.5 million on the cap in 2023. But he did make some comments about liking it in Green Bay, although I will say any team who's any player who's currently playing on a team and wants a new contract is going to say that. He did say he felt like he found another home there. Um, I thought Reed overall played pretty well. Uh, I think he was kind of high variance. The beginning of the year, I was like, this guy, this guy's no good. This guy's no good at all. I actually thought that I know PFF has him struggling most like weeks nine to 13. I thought he was really bad to start the year and like borderline, like not playable, like could not make a play. And then kind of near the end of the year, that Miami game, uh, the Minnesota game, he was pretty good. If I remember correctly. Um, and just like closing out the year, he closed out the year strong. But Dad, what did you think about Jaron Reed this year, and uh, whether or not you think they should bring him back? Um, I guess it, by the end of the season, where he was playing a little better, I was more in favor of bringing him back, and I, and and maybe for kind of a similar amount as he made this year, which, and and I don't think because he's already counting one point five million on the cap this coming year because of the void year that it might not cost that much more. Maybe it only costs, you know, a few more million this year. Then, of course, they're probably, you know, then tack on a void year for next year. Though he is already 30. So that's something yeah. to think about uh, as well. So he's a little bit older than Kenny when he came out I, of I wouldn't of expect them to bring him back because of the age thing and because mm-hmm. that they're expecting probably to give more of his snaps to Wyatt. I would expect them not to bring him back. Uh, he was fine this year. He wasn't. I think if he had played really well all year, they you could convince them to bring him back. But I I don't think he was quite good enough to at his age and with a guy waiting in the wings behind him to earn like another contract with Green Bay. He'll 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 tag on somewhere like, but I just don't think it's with Green Bay necessarily. Yeah, it kind of depends on how many spots they feel like um, they need to fill. You know this off season with uh, you know talk about him and the uh, the next player on the list, um, possibly both moving on. So like two of their top three snap counts um, could yeah. be gone. But we um, were complaining about them being two of the top three snap counts. So is it really <laughs> for, for is much that of the really year. necessarily a bad thing? Because I mean we were. Uh, let's go to the next guy now. Dean Lowry is the next guy for anyone who didn't know. He I think has been kind of the punching bag of. Packers like Twitter and Packers like media about the struggles the D line have had over the years. He's fine. Like he's okay. He's average. He gets he gets beat up a lot in the running game. I I don't think he's particularly good. He'll eat some inning. He's an inning eater. He's a he's an NFL inning. He's a middle reliever. Like that's kind of what he is. Middle reliever. Like he's just coming in there. So especially this especially uh... this past year though. Like don't you think it's a like. I don't think it's a coincidence that the year that Kenny is not as good, Dean Lowry completely disappears. Like he is 
nowhere to be found on the football field this year. I thought he was I thought he was a ghost. Like I didn't I don't think I remember single play he made. Yeah, so do you, But do, he, seriously, do you remember a single play Dean Lowry made this year? He had one sack and I can't remember what it was. He had a sack this year? What? Are we he sure? Had one sack by PFF he had one sack against New England. I don't Oh man. I don't remember that at all. And so Goodness. it you know, counts as like a probably I wonder but if it anyway, was one of those like Speaking of that one else. sack Take us, take us away on the Dean Lowry, the Dean Lowry train. Okay, so right, so he's also um, he was drafted by the Packers in the same year as Kenny. Kenny was a first rounder, and and Lowry was was he a third, fourth rounder, um, fourth rounder, fourth rounder. He had pretty good um, RAS uh, um, grade actually, I think, coming out of college. But anyway, he played four hundred eighty two snaps, the lowest snap count since his rookie year. 285 run, 197 pass. So a lot more run um, snaps than pass snaps. And 32, so 32 snaps per game. So now we're looking at the top three um, D linemen, Clark 47 per game, Reed 42 per game, Lowry 32 per game. And he only played 15 games because he missed uh, the end of the end of the year. The second lowest PFF grade of his career, only 59.3. Um, though it's similar to 2020 and 2019. You kind of um, basically, league average, as it were, kind of. He's been right about beginning. Beginning of his career is a little bit above league average, and he's been basically league average um, ever since in and, overall grade. And that's exactly and, how I view him. He is like he is a league average D lineman. That's yeah. just kind of what you he said. Is. It's like middle reliever. He comes in, starter can't finish the game, eat up some innings, so eat up some snaps. Try not to fall behind. Um, his best, so he only. His, but we're his best giving him the third year, most. The th- we're giving him the third most steps on the D line. So he's, he, that means he's like your number three starter. Yeah, it's <laughs> not good. And uh, so he had his 2021 was his best pass rush year. We had six sacks this year. Only had one sack and 17 pressures. Um, so in terms of pass um, rush snaps, that's uh, like 8.6 um, pressure rate. Which yeah. isn't terrible. Which is similar rate to uh, Jaron Reed, which I forgot to say. He was around an 8.4%. But right. it just I never saw hardly any impactful plays on tape for Dean Lowry this year. Last year, I actually thought he had a really good year. I actually thought he was pretty solid last year. This year, it was like, can we just get this guy off the field because he can't, he can't be yeah. play? And you also you compared the, the snap rate, but his, his uh, like run stop, only eight, only uh, eighteen. Oh, he's not a good run, run defender com- compared he's, he's to not uh, Reed's twenty-eight. He, he's never been a very good held it very well in the run. Yeah. Um, and I mean, just and that kind of bears out over his over his career in terms yeah, and, of uh, stops. And while we're talking about it, can you remind his me his contract his okay. contract percentage like like or contract situation like they can get off of him this off season, right? Well, Lowry's already already done. Oh, that's right. Because they were that was ended. last season was what they were talking about. They can just get rid of him if they wanted to. And he's got just just, a, yes, that's he's right, got that's just right. a void year left that's going to count three million on the cap this year. Um, so it may so it may be possible to bring him back. I don't know. I don't know how much he's going to command on the market. That's true. But if they bring him back at like league minimum, vet minimum, he'll it's cost almost nothing more in the cap than he does now. That's the thing about like both Lowry and Reed. Their contracts have basically expired. So. That means you're down to you know Clark, Slayton, and Wyatt, and Jonathan Ford, 
Yeah, and honestly, if it's those four, and then you just add like a rookie into that mix, I feel okay with that as the position group going forward. But since you mentioned him, let's move on to TJ Slayton. I actually was really impressed with what I saw from Slayton this year. Um, he didn't play a lot to start the year since he was kind of stacked behind Clark, Lowry, and Reed. And, and Reed. But once Lowry went down with injury, I think that the fact when they moved Slayton to kind of more of a fuller time nose position and then let Kenny play that three tech like we talked about earlier and then had Reed and Wyatt rotating in like with them. I actually thought that that D line combination was so much better than what they had been trotting out until that point. And Slayton, I mean, he just finished his second year in the league. He's going into his third year. He's on a rookie contract. He's cheap. Didn't have any sacks this year, but had five pressures and 11 run stops. Most of his snaps were from the nose. So the fact that he wasn't quite as productive in the past game as he was previously uh, doesn't really... It's okay to me. I He's not really there necessarily for pass rush. The fact that he's giving you anything there is kind of just some like a added bonus. I mean, he's a fifth round pick. Like You can't expect like all of that much from him. But I just think overall as a unit, the D-line was a lot better when he was at the nose. Um, he was actually better in run defense this year if you uh, want to just referencing PFF grades, PFF run grades. Obviously, PFF grades aren't perfect, but there's another data point. Uh, beyond that, I mean, just eye test wise, he's got a lot more there in the fact that he, I think he's better at nose tackle than the other players are at three tech. And then Kenny's better at three tech than any of the other guys are at three tech. So just kind of, exactly. It's just kind of moving them around, getting your best guys on the line. I wouldn't mind at all if going into next year, Slayton's the starting nose and then you got Kenny and Wyatt on either side of him. I don't know how you feel, but that's, that's at least how I feel. That sounds good to me. Um, yeah, you could mention that Slayton kind of started off rough and then got better as the year went on with his best game against Minnesota. But he was hardly um, even getting any snaps early in the year. Yeah, like he um, never played. And then he, but and he finished the league fourth in snaps per game with after uh, the first three we already mentioned. And mm-hmm. from there, we basically go on to the only other player who really got any kind of snaps at all in the D line, um, and that's Wyatt, the rookie. Who uh, he's a little old for a rookie, twenty twenty five years old. He'll be twenty five in March, I should say. He's he's almost twenty five, and he had a, fourteen snaps per game compared to uh, Slayton's eighteen, so close. But over the last six games, it was up to twenty one per game. So he was actually started getting a decent number of snaps there at the end, with two sacks, eight pressures, and five run stops. Mostly playing, I think, at three tech. Though they might have put him at the nose on a couple, a few snaps here and there. It's so criminal how few how few snaps they gave him. It's 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 criminal. It took so long for him to get snaps, but then like what four or five of his last seven games, he had over thirty snaps. They finally started um, giving him more. Yeah, um, his best game was against Detroit at the end of the year, um, and three of his last five games were well above average to elite in PFF grade. And so it's he like, really poured it on when he had the chance. It's on just snap so snap, uh, snap um, per snap basis. It's just so dumb that it took them that long to play a first-round pick that was yeah. clearly better than any of the other options you had. Like, when he played limited snaps, you saw he was better than Lowry. You saw he was at least as good as Reed. I don't understand how you pick him in the first round. You watch him be just as good or better than his, the people ahead of him. So if you're not going to play him to develop him, and you're not going to play him because, like he's better than the other guys why is he not playing like you i don't understand i don't get it what's going on in practice or something i don't know what's going on 
And um, I, I mean, he's a rookie. He's on a first round uh, contract, so he's going to be making what, like two, three a year. Uh, it's going to be cheap for a little while now. I think he's yeah. definitely one of the foundational pieces to build along along the D line. He didn't have like an elite rookie season, but he was very solid and showed he a lot. A, he was efficient when he yeah. got the chance, when he got the opportunity. And I mean, he's an older rookie, so you kind of hope that for him. I think the fact that he didn't play had me very worried earlier in the year. I was like, "You're this is got we got a, drafted a 24 year old rookie who can't get on the field." That's a yikes. But the fact that he was able to do some nice stuff like along the D line late in the season, kind of. Like, it, like I, I'm not as worried anymore. I think that he should depth. If he doesn't start next year, I don't know what we're doing. And that so, kind of brings yeah. us to let's let's. If talk he doesn't about, start next year, that's kind of a catastrophe. Well, let's and, talk and, about the the coaching. Let's talk about coaching since we're talking about this. Like Jerry yeah. Montgomery is the D line coach. He's been with the Packers since 2015. In some role along the D line, he was the assistant D line coach until 2018. And then he was the D line coach from 2018 to 2021. And then he is now the D-line coach and run game coordinator this past year. I don't... He... I don't understand... So it seems like they're not moving on from Joe Barry based on what Matt LaFleur has said. If right. they're also coach not speak? moving... I'm, I'm hoping that's coach speak. If you want, to, if you want my honest opinion, it's, I'm hoping that's coach speak. It's been like enough weeks now where it's it would have happened if it was going to happen. Um, beyond that, though, if you're not going to fire him and you're not going to fire the run game coordinator for the 31st ranked run defense in the league, when you have like a, a pro bowl nose tackle, an all pro linebacker, a first round pick at linebacker, and then a first round pick at D line that you, the position coach is not playing or developing, instead playing Lowry and Reed. And like, I'm not taking shots at Reed. Reed cleaned it up as the season went on, but what, like the reason that why it wasn't even more impactful at the end of the year is because he didn't play him at all to start the year. Like, let's, I let's, don't understand so, what his decision, what Jerry Montgomery's decision making process was when you're getting killed in the run game all year and you're the run game coordinator. You're not changing up what you're doing at all. The only reason he played why is because Lowry got hurt. Like he did not make that decision himself. Right. Decision taken. Adam says, let's talk about how that run game has been run run defense has been coordinated the the last few years that wasn't all uh, when he was doing it but he's been the since D-line. he's been the since he's been the d-line coach in adjusted line yards by football so, outsiders yeah and so reminder this is just a metric that looks at how the d-line is performing against the run game which i know he's only been the run game coordinator for one year but he's been the d-line coach for five now right so, so these are the yards that the defensive line are theoretically responsible for so league-wide ranking under montgomery's leadership they finished 27th 31st 24th 26th and this past most recent year 32nd yeah and you have i know it's tough because i will say not a lot of clay to work with outside of kenny but you have a pro bowler there you can you can't be like aver- like that his average of his years is like 28th or 29th in the league. Like you're down there with the Texans. You're down there with like the ba- like not even probably not even the Texans. You're down there probably with not even the Texans. I don't know who the like terrible run defenses are. The Chargers just, were the Chargers were bad for a while. Yeah, but just think over a 5-year span, you have had one of the worst D-lines against the run continuously. Yeah. And it never gets better. 
And even when they give you Clay to work with, like Wyatt, you don't play him. So what are like what are you what do you what is it you would say you do here? Because you've had <laughs> to use an office space quote. Because you've had bad D lines the entire time you've been coaching here. And I know you have not had a lot of draft picks to work with. You've had Kenny Clark. You have not developed anyone else. You had Kingsley Kiki. He was okay. He's gone now. You've Slayton's been all right. There's there's some development there. There's something to see there. But at some point, you got to put out a good unit because they've had a bad D line for what feels like ever. Like since Mike Daniels left, we were talking about earlier. Yep, which is about the same time that Montgomery took over as a D line coach. So which was which? Um. So that so it, this brings us to future need. You know. Do you see? I, I could see, and I don't know. Do you think the Packers possibly going for another interior defensive lineman, possibly with more another pass rush um, guy like like Wyatt is? Uh, to be. If if there's a stud there when they pick at fifteen, it yeah. wouldn't be my first choice of position. I would prefer an edge rusher or, or a safety, or if by you know some good fortune we get um, wide receiver uh, TC, the guy from TCU. Quentin Johnson, my Quentin guy. Quentin Johnson, yeah, yeah. What's the yes. chance of that? What's the chance of him blasted until 15? Probably not high. <laughs> but we're going to talk a lot about the draft later. I, I think future needs, they need another guy here. I don't know if it needs to be a first rounder. I think as long as it's not a third rounder, uh, we're going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Especially I just, if they don't bring Reed or Lowry back. They've, they've got to just add a, uh, at least one a more body. person. They just need a body yeah. there because... And, 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 and maybe they'll do the Gutekun special of drafting one player and signing a vet on, for, like, league minimum. Or they'll do the Gutekun special of drafting three guys late and just oh, be like, three guys when, late you, in the same when do you win yeah. the job? A, yeah. fifth, a fifth rounder, a sixth rounder, and a seventh rounder. But, yeah, I that's mean... How run, that's how they got Runyon. I just don't understand how you can essentially trot back this entire defense with no changes next year. You're not having changes anywhere. The only change might come if Jerry Gray gets hired away somewhere because he's had a couple <laughs> interviews for defensive coordinator positions, which would be losing essentially your best position coach. But anyway, that's kind of all we had for the D-line. Let's move on to the linebackers. Or sorry, let's move on to the edge, edge rushers. rushers. We'll do edge rushers first. Um, I would say I wrote up this part. I'll start it off. I think that the edge rush group was pretty good this year considering... They had to deal with a lot of injuries and the fact that the third guy was kind of either a rookie or a guy they signed off the street, and we'll get into it. Let's start with Rashawn Gary. He's 25 years old. He's going into his fifth season on his fifth-year option, fully guaranteed. This past year, he only played eight and a half games due to the torn ACL he suffered against the Lions in Week 9, so that's definitely something we're going to have to talk about. Stupid AstroTurf. Such a dumb game. He had 38 pressures, 6 sacks, 17 run stops, which uh, PF, is a PFF, uh, all these are PFF um, source stats. Um, stops is like a essentially PFF uh, stat that's like the offense did not succeed on the play. I believe it's calculated off success rate. So like a one-yard run would be, on, a one-yard run on first and 10 would be a stop, something like that. But uh, like a two-yard run on third and one would not be a stop, for right, instance. The, the, right, the, uh, whether something is stopped depends on context. Exactly. Down in distance context. So a bit down in all those stats, but you do have to remember he only played eight and a half games. Had he kept up this pace for an entire 17-game season, he would have actually been fifth amongst edge rushers in the league in pressures and second amongst edge rushers in the league in run stops. So he did have a career high, five missed tackles this year. 
I think it just is what it is. Uh, obviously, you don't like to see a career high in missed tackles when you're only playing half the number of games, but c'est la vie. I think overall, though, he was clearly the best player on defense this year. They really missed him as the year went on when they had practically no pass rush against Detroit especially. Uh, yeah. I don't think it's a hot take to say he was their best player. Um, I think my hot take is he was their best player on either side of the ball, which I don't even know if that's that hot of a take. That's not that hot of a take. And he's going to be on his fifth-year option coming up. He's making $10.9 million guaranteed, counting the same against the cap. The thing about him, though, Dad, that is interesting is normally this would be the offseason that you would get your extension going into your fifth year. What are they going to do now? Because he tore his ACL on November 6th. So you're assuming he's probably going to miss seven, eight weeks next year. Right, he's going to miss like half the next year. And so what timing. what are they going to do regarding that contract they, extension cuz they uh, might need to they might need to just I think they might need to just extend him and hope he heals all right because I don't think you can let him get to free agency because there's going to be a massive bidding war if he has a good year next year if he looks like Rashawn Gary next year. Yeah, it might be safer. It's a there's risk. There's a lot but of risk. To, uh, That's the problem. Before the he best... even comes back, or they could try to uh, like you know four games in, or it'll depend a little bit on how soon he comes in because you also feel like it's going to take like four or five games to really know how well he's playing. Because if if he like comes back mid October and he has like three or four bad games, that's not that surprising. No, Elton it took didn't Elton. Have a, been, it took yeah. Elton a while to start playing up to normal. And that's and a lot of people do when they first come back. They're they're not at their normal level, and it takes a little while to get going, even after you start playing. And even if even if you didn't have like a catastrophic injury, you were recovering from. If you don't do something for ten months, like you're gonna look like you haven't played football in ten months. <laughs> like, I mean, it's he's it's, been sitting on the couch. I I, 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 I guess someone give I, me that couch. I, somebody get that couch. That's a quote from the fighter. If you've ever seen it. Um, but yeah, so I. I think this would be a no-brainer, like, like, full extension. Like, give him as many years as you can give him. Give him a bunch guaranteed. But the injury just makes it so complicated. I think they should extend him either way this offseason. But, man, that's I, – I don't know. Like, what do you even pay him? Like, I don't know what you do here. Yeah, I don't know what the going rate is for uh, – well – Essentially, one the of the going rate for a top edge is is in over twenty. I think like they would twenty four or something, or maybe it's more now. I think it's more now. I I think it might be they, more now. I think they I would have looked have at the market to, yet. I think they would have had to given him essentially like the most money ever for an edge, possibly like if he had been healthy coming into this off season. But now I just don't know because. Like the point of drafting him was you were going to draft and develop him. Like you brought him along very slowly. You have to extend him. You can't just let him walk now after he's had like essentially two good years or one and a half. I just that I, would be a colossal failure if you draft a guy you think is going to take two years to develop and then you only get two and a half good years out of him. It's like, yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> that, no, I I think we're landing in the same spot where they have to re-sign him, and I think they might just have to like pull the trigger on that over the off season with him injured and just hope for the best because otherwise I, I don't think you want to get into a bidding war in the open market. Cause that would be just, awful. Yeah. And, and what they're, 
Edge group looks like. Looks without- like without him? And that's something... Okay, let's let's move on. Do you want to talk a little bit about Preston? Right, because we can talk a little bit about Preston, who is now 30. Yeah. Going into his ninth year in the NFL, and he was their best edge rusher for the... He was their number one edge for the second half of the year. Yeah. Um, he played all 17 games, which is like, that's a Preston thing. He's like missed, what, one game in his whole career? One game his whole career. The, yeah. The, the, yeah, the dude is, the dude is a machine and, in that regard. And that's why I'm not... And super duper worried about him being 30, but he is 30. Like, he's old. Yeah. Um, he played, uh, so he had 42 pressures, 10 sacks, and 20 run stops per PFF. Um, a, a lower pressure rate, or pressure total, sorry, than the previous um, year before. Uh, significantly lower, 63 last year, but um, so, but he managed to avoid his uh, even year um, bottom out, as he yeah. had been doing, like the really good year, the and the bad year, good and year, that, and the bad year. And that's why I was looking. I was like, wow, he was a lot worse than last year. And I don't care because he was way better than he was <laughs> in 2020. Like, yep. he really, he was much better even year-wise than he had been previously under the Packers. Yeah, and and, and as usual, he did pretty, a decent job against the run. 14th in the league in run stops amongst edges. And that's been one of the things he's been good at for most of his career, using his uh, size, long arms to set a good edge against the run. Yeah, and I mean, 42 um, pressures, 10 sacks. Like, I mean, he wasn't, he did not go into this year expecting to have to be the number one edge, and then he had to take that role on. I think he had a fine year. Yeah, I, I was no, pretty I pleased. No, I think he was uh, critical to the year. Can you imagine if they didn't have, if, if they didn't <laughs> have him either? Goodness. I mean, they would, uh, have, they would have for sure addressed, like, he, yeah, the, the edge group, the edge group needs addressing anyways, even with him yep. there. But if they didn't have him, they would have been host they would have been absolutely sunk yeah so the uh, co- contract signed a four-year 52 million dollar extension last offseason count 13 million against the cap this coming year and they like similar to uh, what they could do with kenny they could restructure him and in, in um preston's case save 6.6 million against the cap in 2023 which then you know essentially then counts in the next year if you think of a cap as a two-year exercise a lot of the times for these it's a you know a, a net neutral but depends what else is on the books in, yeah in which which of those years so it could be if 2023 is a tighter year then you do the, re- the then you do the restructure if you think 2024 is going to be the worst year then you don't yeah and i think like you could hypothetically cut him after june 1st and save like 10 million dollars i think that should not be anywhere near on the table just because they 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 need edge snaps so it would badly. be like Enigbare and Jonathan Garvin as your top two edge rushers. If they yes, have, if they don't at the beginning yes. of the year because because Gary's not gonna be ready and whoever they pick because they they have to if pick they someone. get somebody in the first round those are the what I'd you know they can be if there's somebody if there's and a as, top edge still still left at fifteen then that is probably the smart pick. And as we've established, just because they pick someone in the first round doesn't mean they're even going to play them. So, <laughs> we're, yeah, we need we to are. develop this guy for another year or two. Yeah, we're in win now mode, but we're going to develop this twenty-four-year-old rookie for. Oh my goodness, it's so stupid. Um, yeah. But beyond so, that, we already mentioned him. Should we move on to Enigbare? Because I think Preston, it's like it's very simple. He should be on the team next year. He should be essentially. He's going to have to be your number one for like the weeks until Gary gets back up to speed. Hopefully, knock on wood. Um, but once he's back, uh, once Gary's back, that is, I think that Preston is one of the better second rushers in the league. I think that's fair to say. And just having him on the team makes they're better with him than what they could do with the money they would save by like not having. Yes, him. I think yeah, it's like, very easy. If you saved six point six million, you think about 
Can you get somebody as good as Preston for six point six million? It'd be ten, but the, well, no. it depends how you do the. If you cut whether you do a post June first, yeah, but you should but not. You're do not going to get somebody who can for the ten million. No, this is part of what I think about with cutting. Like, can you replace some? Can you improve the position with the money you have left over after? Yeah, a cut, and so that's the thing. You always got to sort of like, oh, we could save, you know, four million if we cut player X, but the player we would get with that four million would be much worse than the player X we cut. So exactly. why would you do it? Yeah, and I think that Preston is one of the better second rushers in the league when he's when he's the second rusher. It's just he was kind of forced yeah. into a role that's abnormal for him, and we're getting odd year Preston next year, which is also yeah, right. awesome. So he's got, he's got sixty pressures a year in odd years. Is all I'm saying with the Packers. <laughs> um, but Dad, do you want to take but, us away on Enigbari? Because yeah. I that that's my guy right there. I he was my draft crush. Yeah, well, uh, you want to go? Year. You want to go ahead with Enigbari? No, no, he was he was yours. We're we're going every other. But oh wait, no, it is me, huh? It is yeah, me. That's start, right. You started with you started with Gary. Start, yes. You're right. He's yeah, 23 yeah, yeah, years old. He's going into his second year in the NFL. Um, he had 25 pressures, three sacks, and 12 run stops this year per PFF. Um, considering the fact that he didn't crack 40% of defensive snaps until week seven, and then didn't crack 50% of defensive snaps until week 10, I would say uh, when Gary got hurt, I would say that's super impressive. Um, 19 of those pressures were from week 10 onwards. So if you know he had kept his like, if he essentially kept that pace and been a starter all year. Um, he would have had 41 pressures, which would have been fourth amongst rookies and top 50 in the league. Not yeah. bad at all. But, um, and just, which is the metric that he basically was at the top of all rookies uh, yeah, I for think a lot of the season? Was it pass rush win I think rate? it's pass rush win rate. He was, he like, was like top the best of, the of all uh, edge rookie rookies. Edges, yes. And just like he was kind of in a part-time role this year. He got pushed into being the second guy. If he's your third guy, I'm ecstatic i mean he's making hardly any money at all um going forward i think that he is a very exciting player uh he like he's everything that you would hope he's a perfect third edge rusher right now maybe in two years he's ready to be a second edge rusher maybe um i think that's kind of the ceiling for him but if you're getting a third edge rusher as a rookie on a on a fifth round pick and then he's gonna get up to maybe hopefully like a second like second best pass rusher on a team like as time goes on that's very something to be very excited about as a fit from a fifth rounder i'm i'm very happy with how he's been so far and just like if he had been a starter all year he would have been one of the best rookie edge rushers in the league statistically and i think he already like by certain other metrics pass rush win rate like we talked about i think he's already near the top of the league so i mean i don't know about you i'm super excited about him because he was one of my guys coming out of south carolina yeah it's interesting because uh I think he doesn't have as many tools as a lot of people would like, but I think what it is, he just knows how to use the tools he has. Like he's got long arms. He's, he's like the, does the, he knows how to do like this, the, the stiff arm rush and, you know, find, find spots to, to win. And he's, he just knows how to, and, and he was effective in college as well. Yeah, um, he's just not very athletic, but he's just good at football. Like yeah. he's one of those guys. He's not athletic, really. He's much not at like all, a, but he's, good he's at not a super high tester, and you know, in the underwear Olympics. But what plays, was it? Plays a good game. I think someone tweeted because he had a nice preseason, like late in the preseason. Um, he kind of came on in camp and started just like he had like a two week span where he was like kicking everybody's ass in practice. And someone I don't remember who was tweeting. I was like, he's not good in shorts, but he's a gamer, which I always <laughs> think is just like one of the funniest things. But it's kind of true for him. He's he's not. Yeah. 
like a hyper athlete. He's nowhere near the athlete Gary is. He's not as long as Preston is. He's not as big as Preston is, but gets the job done. And if he's your third guy, I feel super comfortable with that going forward. I don't know how I feel about him being the second guy to start the season next year. I think they should still add to that spot, especially with Preston getting older. Have a guy you can bring along and take over Preston's spot. Because if Enigbare is your third guy for a little while now, I feel great about that. Yeah, I think it's uh, t- and uh, that you, you're at the stage now, especially in Preston's career, where you sh- need to start playing, you know, draft and develop, um, and get ready for the get ready for the future. You need to exactly be active, be proactive. All right, do you want to take us away on Hollins? Because I I was at Hollins is one of the most pleasant surprises of the year. That also. was you know pleasant. They they got cut by the Rams. It's like in his fifth year in the league. Um, but it super at- super athletic, like really good RAS, and then it's just wears 47, which is such a weird edge rusher number, and then is good. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yep. Defies all logic. Played six games in Green Bay, and uh, in part time, and but it took a, up a lot of edge snaps in that time. He had nine pressures and three snacks. Three snacks. <laughs> three sacks that, that he, he's going to eat. Yeah, I was going to say. Okay, it works. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, just he he didn't play a lot but he was really he did a lot with like the the snaps he got and they really needed him once Gary went down yeah it was it was a huge ethereal to add him uh um sure you know it's kind of this this past year's Whitney Merciless as it were um you know they get him in the that's middle, a little di- that's a little disrespectful it, to Whitney Merciless oh absolutely it's, it's like yeah, but well, this year was a little disrespectful to last year too. Yeah, this year was a little disrespectful to the Green Bay, <laughs> the Green Bay faithful. Um, oh. So, in terms of like how, how this year went, um, yes. they, they couldn't get anything. Is yeah, unfortunately, Merciless decided to, to hang him up. But yeah, he would have actually he, been super useful this year. But anyway, Hollins, Hollins. Yeah, he, I wouldn't mind bringing him back. You know, he's now since they like signed him to a part year contract. He doesn't have any void years or anything because they, you know, picked him up, uh, you know, after after getting cut. Um, so he's not counting on next year's cap. But I, I would be in favor of them bringing him back at this point for uh, another edge rusher. Yeah, and he can play a little teams. Like he's a very good athlete. I I don't see why they don't bring him back if he wants to like come back. Um, and I I mean I would be totally in favor of it because he was he was very productive. Like he was. He was a quality NFL player. I have no idea why the Rams cut him. Um, I don't understand that either. I yeah. mean, I don't why think cut contra- a, good, a good football player? It doesn't make I sense don't to think me. it even saved that much money yeah. for them. I think it was just it's for roster of, spot. Uh, was it just to tank their – well, but why would they tank their draft position? Because it's going to the Lions anyway. Who knows why the Rams do what they do. But they won a Super Bowl, <laughs> so I can't really talk. Um but yeah, I think Hollins was great this year for what he, especially for what he was, a mid-year addition and just came in and was like a very viable fourth, third edge, really a third edge rusher just off the street. By the end fine. of the year, he was the third edge rusher for yeah. sure. And that kind of brings us to Garvin, who I think was very disappointing this year. I mean, I was surprised he made the team. I think we were all a little surprised he made the team. Part of that was Tipa getting hurt. Um, You know... He hardly played, really. He's 23 years old, so he's still pretty young despite it being uh, going into his fourth year in the league. He'll be 24 by the start of next season. Has one year left on his current contract at a million dollars. If they cut him, it's no real dead money. Like I said, he hardly played. He got jumped in the depth chart by a fifth-round rookie, and they got jumped in the depth chart by a guy straight off the street. They 
elevated practice squad guys to play over him. I would be surprised if he's on the roster next year. They play him on special teams for some reason. He's not very good on special teams. It just kind of he's I don't I don't see him being on the roster next year. I don't know if you feel the same way. Possibly not. You know, he had what uh, zero sacks, seven total pressures, and two batted balls, and zero run stops. Yeah, um, and he didn't play much. You know, he had a lot of single digit games with single digit snaps. Or no, not single digit. I'm sorry, single digit run. But you know, teens. Yeah, teens and a couple in the twenties. He had a little run of three games in a row that were pretty good against Detroit, Dallas, and Tennessee, but a lot of well below average games beginning of the year and then again at the end of the year. Um, and I always, you know, it's a little disappointing because he's actually pretty athletic. He tested pretty well. Um, and he was really young coming out more. of the, he was really young coming yeah. out of the draft. I mean, I thought uh, here's the thing: seventh round pick, like that's the perfect type of player to take in the seventh round. It didn't right. work out. It is what it is. Um, I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time there. Let's talk a little bit about the coaching and the overall positional group thoughts. So this was Jason Rebrovich's first year as the uh, outside linebacker coach in Green Bay after the departure of Mike Smith last year to the Minnesota Vikings. I thought he did a really nice job, especially considering the fact that he had big shoes to fill because Mike Smith is a very well-renowned outside linebacker coach around the league. He, Gary had a, had a career year. Preston broke the pattern of having bad, even-yeared seasons. Anigbari looked really good right off the bat, so developed him quite well. And then Hollins came in and made really good contributions. Like, all the things we talked about, I think at least some credit goes to him for, you know, developing Anigbari, giving Hollins the situation to succeed, getting Gary to that next level, getting Preston to come in and be, like, in shape this this season. (laughs) Um, Yes. And... I, I would say he just he did a very good job, especially with big shoes to fill. I was very worried about this position group with Mike Smith leaving, but it, it worked out. Yeah, I think they definitely should keep him. He's done enough to uh, keep his job. The players were improving under him. He had, you know, uh, rookies, several players playing above what they had in the past or could be expected to do. And uh, I, think, I, I think from that, he, sh- he should have one of the more... He should have position. one of the more secure yeah. defensive um, position coaching jobs on the team, but it sounds like they're all going to be secure. Yeah. Unless they Overall, leave for other jobs like... Uh, like Gray, yeah. Like Gray or or, or not on the defense, but uh, will Basaccia leave? Yeah, Basaccia getting interviewed for the Colts job today, which is what we just saw. Um, overall areas improvement, like we said, we just think they need another guy. But, Dad, getting a little long here. Let's move on to the linebackers. Let's take this home. Do you want to start us off with Campbell? Sure, I can do Campbell. I can start with Campbell. So um, he was their first team all pro in 2021. Not as good this year. Um, he's he's will be 30 um, going to next by, by the time next season rolls around. And it's going to be, and it's his eighth league, eighth year in the league. He missed four games due to injury, played only 13 games. It's a little unusual for him. I think he's mostly been pretty healthy in his career, which is something that, Gutekunst is not every time, but sometimes he's taking chances. But he's done a decent job at getting players like uh, Preston and Campbell who don't, and Amos who don't miss many games. Um, and Billy Turner. And Billy Turner. Though he, though he had some injuries at the end a little at bit. Yeah. But he had his highest missed tackle rate, right? That was weird at the yeah. end of the year. It's like he already had more missed tackles in the first like three games than he did all last year. 
He had the second um, highest missed tackle rate of his career since his rookie year. 10.1%. Yeah. And um and he had, but he did have the same number of tackles for loss as he did last year in in four fewer games. So Yeah. In in terms of those impact plays, he was still still creating some. Um and it is I feel like at the end of the year he was looking a little bit more like himself. Um towards the end of the season playing a little bit better when he came back from that injury. I don't know if you felt the same way or not. Yeah, I actually thought that his best play was right before he got hurt against Buffalo. I felt like he started the season kind of weak, weeks like one to four, one to five. And then like the Washington game where he had a pick six and um, let's see, what was the other? There was another one that I was thinking of off the top of my head. Let me see if I can pull it up here really quick. Uh, yeah, the Washington game, I thought he was really good. Um, I thought the Giants game was really good. And I just, I thought he was fine this year overall. Um, he, he was, he had just set such a high standard for himself. Like, he missed, like, one tackle all of last year. It's not really sustainable. And the fact that he kind of regressed in his missed tackle percentage, the fact that it was the worst since his rookie year, I'm not too worried about it just because I think he will positively kind of, like, get back up to his mean he's always been a good tackler um so i'm not entirely like totally worried about that there were times where he was in the wrong gap and he looked a little slow but i think for the most part he was solid to good this year it's just he was so great last year that we couldn't help being a little bit disappointed by the season he put out here like this past year yeah and some of it like there's like slow reactions may not be in place you be in the right place how much of that is maybe having a rookie next to you yeah. is contributing to that where you're trying to you're losing some of your attention to what you would normally be on because you're like trying to coach in the middle of the play the player next to you and maybe as walker gets more accustomed to what he's doing and maybe some of that what they changed to have like walker just basically read and react helped campbell focus yeah a and if bit. you if you remember like campbell last year was like he played almost all of his snaps like as the only linebacker they played like right. so much penny last year and he maybe that's just something he's better at which isn't ideal because it's not like they're not going to play walker um right. so, it is an interesting thing that you know as you said he is you know wanted to be batman yeah um and like he's still like what he meant by that is he wanted to play mike like not play will mm-hmm. which is what they've been they play quay at will they play uh devondre mike so he's still getting what he wants it's just Last year, he was the only linebacker, and he kind of excelled heavily in that role. And so you wonder how much of it is like, maybe he's not as good in two-linebacker, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, the role is different, but you can't more help. But, you know, you hope that as he and Quay kind of get used to each other, they kind of develop more chemistry inside, and it's a little less clunky, I guess, and they, they improve each other's play and lift each other up. Only time will tell. Yep, yeah, and so in terms of his contract, he... You know, um, part of what they did with the Devontae Adams money was one of the things they did was bring back uh, Campbell, signed a five-year, $50 million contract, and it'll count $8.1 million against the cap in 2023. And it can be restructured uh, where you convert some of the um, salary to a signing bonus so you can push some of the money to a, a later year to save $2.7 million this year if that's one of the things they do. Or in... Like I don't know what kind of emergency full full teardown they cut yeah. him, they cut him to save two um, five million yeah I I don't think they do that I I think yeah. what happens is they they play him this they he plays this next year if he doesn't improve like from this past year 
then I think next offseason is when you're going to have to have that tough discussion. I mean, like they say, every contract in the NFL is a two-year contract, and then we'll see. Um, I think that you just you're not really going to do a lot with that money that you would get this offseason. I do think they probably restructure, but um, you just hope he's better next year and that the fact that he gets more used to playing with Quay is is helpful to him. Do you want to talk? Should we talk about Quay? Sure. Let's go on to uh, talk about uh, Quay Walker. They're the first pick for the Packers in last year's draft. You, you know, is going to be he's 22, going to be 23 at the start of next season, going into his second year. He played, started, or did he start? He played all 17 games and the got first player to be ejected from two in like, what, 10 years? 15, 15. years? First 15 players, years? First player to be ejected from two games in the same season in the past 15 years. So that means Vontez Perfect never got, not even Vontez Perfect was ever ejected this many times in a season. That's what that means, folks. Oof. It's not good. It's not good. Um, but beyond that, actually, I like he was he was pretty good otherwise. Like he was he he led all rookies as you said in, in PFF stops with forty one. Um, he had twelve pressures to lead all non edge rookies. Um, the third third in coverage grade amongst rookie uh, linebackers and the lowest QBR when targeted among amongst rookie linebackers slash safeties. Um, now it wasn't all roses, you know. He had a, a worse. T- uh, missed tackle rate than Campbell at 10.3% uh, missed tackles. Um, but I f- it seemed like some of the mistakes he was making earlier were uh, sitting and deciding, trying to figure out what to do yeah. and getting to uh, the position late. And you could see in some of those late games um, in Detroit before he got, or I guess Detroit before he got kicked out, it's like hitting the hole and he was doing that in the game before against Minnesota, getting the tackling um, ball carriers in the backfield and making some really good plays. I think what he has to do, you know, you know, he's, he's always on a rookie contract. You know, he's going to be around and, yeah, and, and uh, not cost much. And no one's going to mention this because like of what happened in the Detroit game, which is just unacceptable. Like you can't do that. He was playing really good. He was having a really he good was game. Playing good ball. Until he's that, just until that moment. Gotta figure it out. Like, just don't be so hair trigger crazy if somebody puts their hand on your on your arm or your shoulder, yeah, dude, you just gotta happen. dial it back a little yeah. bit so you don't. I don't know what it is, but he's like, God, I don't know. Like, is it just like really severe personal bubble protection? Nobody, yeah, you know, I don't know what it it's is. It's just really about social distancing, Dad. It's just very <laughs> serious about it. But anyway, he, yeah, I think I'm excited to see what he does next year. He clearly has some maturing to do because you just can't get kicked out of a game for shoving an athletic trainer who's trying to help their player on the, like, what are you doing? Like, that doesn't I'm make sh- any I'm sense. I'm shaking my head yeah. as, as, as he says that. It's yeah. just, it's it's yeah. mind-boggling. Oof. You can't, Yikes. no one, no Oof. one does that. Like, what are we doing here? Um, and so hopefully I mean, that never happens again. And he, that's, what, he, that's what we're hoping for. Yeah, and he tweeted out an apology and was like, yeah, I was, I was wrong. I let my emotions get the best of me. That's step one. Step two is not doing it again. So, you know, we're willing to At give you that. At least it was a, it didn't seem like a non-apology apology that you hear a lot out there. Yeah, which are always easy to seemed, spot. Seemed like a real apology. Um, but beyond that, like you said, he, lowest QBR when targeted amongst rookie linebacker safeties. I think you said that that was per uh, Rob Paul on Twitter. And then the leading all rookies in PFF stops with 41 was per Zach Cruz on Twitter. Um he he was very solid, and I think part of the reason I think he struggled at times is you got to remember 
he had to wear the green dot for like four weeks, five weeks. Yeah. Where he was the the guy on defense. And that's hard when you're a rookie. Like that's right. tough. And, and during those weeks, he couldn't be just, you know, see ball, get unleashed ball. to just see ball, get ball and just, just react and, and play on instinct. He's like, no, I got to th- think about what everybody's supposed to be doing here. And also when you're the guy with the green dot and the main guy's down, the guy next to you is not great, which kind of brings us to our next point. Isaiah McDuffie was the next kind of linebacker in the depth chart. 23 years old, will be 24 by the start of next season, going into his third year. Played 17 games, 11.4% missed tackle rate on defense. Is we've got a we've got a theme here. We got a theme that Packers could not tackle this year. I know that's. Real earth-shattering news for all of you. We're giving out the hot takes. We're giving out the hot takes. They, uh, they were bad, and every individual was bad at tackling this year. Played seven six rounds. Yeah, six and round rookie. Was, I mean, not a rookie, but six round pick. And I mean, he moved up to number three on the depth chart by the end of the year. Yeah, and he only had one game where he was above fifty percent snaps on defense, and that was against Buffalo, which was kind of cool because that's where he's from. Um, I think he had a couple solid games, but otherwise was pretty mad on defense. Where he did make his mark was on special teams. He was a very solid special teamer. I, I think that they should bring him back. He's not making any money, so they should bring him back just for his special teams prowess because I think he was one of their better, better like special teamers, like getting downfield, making tackles. Um, he kind of plays with his hair on fire. What, it, what hair he has left, he is slightly balding. No shade, but just to be accurate. Um, I think going forward, they should... Like this, unless they somehow draft a bunch of linebackers and have like a lot of talent there that they don't have right now, they should certainly bring him back because just as a special teamer, he's a plus. That's that's at least how I see it. What do you what do you think about McDuffie this year? You know, I always like some of uh, his play traits. At least you know aggressiveness going after the ball, um, trying to hit. Maybe he doesn't play. You know, can't hold up. Uh, work his way off blocks so well. But uh, I think he, I, I, I kind of like his play style anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something they could use a little bit more of. Yeah, I think his main problem is he's just small. Like he's just kind of tiny yeah. out there, which is, it's, it's, not your, it's not your fault. It's not his fault. Um, but I think just as a special teamer, they should definitely bring him back. And that brings us to our last linebacker, Chris Barnes, dad. Take us home. Yeah, so Barnes, he was, you know, he's going to be 23 by the next season. He was originally an undrafted free agent from UCLA and just basically started playing right away. He was like the the secret player in the first COVID year. Like no uh, no tape, no preseason, no pictures from training camp. So they took advantage of that to cut him and then sign him back by, by because nobody knew anything about him. And he played a lot in his career for, uh, you know, even starting his rookie year for that. Um, now, this year he was hurt. He, he only played six games due to a serious injury in the first game of the year. And he had a 10% missed tackle rate. Um, he, he he came back in weeks 11 and 12, um, but then quick, quickly lost um, snaps to uh, McDuffie and got passed over on the depth chart. He's um, so... He's not currently under contract because uh, you know, his, his contract um, finished last year as a, I think he was a exclusive rights free agent last year. So that's just a one-year deal. And now he's a restricted free agent since he was originally a UDFA. And now they could tender him 
and but the cheapest tender is 2.6 million for the right of first refusal um and so do you is he worth 2.6 million on the one-year deal I think probably not just because of the way he kind of fell down the depth chart. It's interesting, though, to me because before he got hurt in that Minnesota game, they were trotting him out there in three linebacker sets with Campbell and Quay Walker, which they kind of abandoned that entire notion as soon as he got hurt and never brought it back. But at least that's interesting to me is that they kind of wanted to get him on the field. They liked what they saw with him to start the year. It's always hard. He had a very like borderline like season-ending injury that we thought we saw initially. And then he was able to come back for like a handful of games at the end of the year. I know he wasn't great to end the year. It's tough but when you have such a serious injury and you fight all the way back. And then people are like, well, you didn't play very well. And it's like, well, it's a miracle I'm even playing at all, to be honest. Right. But he was not playing many snaps by the end. Uh, he played a decent amount in the, when he first came back. But then he just wasn't yeah, Maybe very he just good. wasn't quite right. Uh, yeah. you know, he needed more time to uh, get back to normal. He looks so worse we'll than he had the past few years. I, I, $2.6 for a guy that might be fourth on your depth chart, though, is too much, right. I think. Like, it's but just not could, reasonable. But I think they could sign him to a... It seems more likely that he's going to be a you know sort of a vet minimum kind of guy in the league wherever he goes, whether that yeah. be at Green Bay or not, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, they, they might not... They might decide that the uh, the tender is going to be more than they want to pay him. Yeah, I I, I don't have a which, problem which with him. Which then on the, yeah means he has the freedom to go anywhere. If you don't, if they don't uh, use the tender, and I don't have a problem with him on a minimum. Uh, I think he's a fine player. He's a fine third fourth guy. It's just you can't you can't spend too much money on a guy who's probably not going to play many snaps. But anyway, Dad, let's talk just a little bit winding down here about the linebacker position just as a whole. Coaching-wise, Kirk Olivadotti, Coach KO as they call him, has been the linebacker coach since 2019 under both Petten and Barry. I think he's done an okay job. He coached Campbell's career year. Decent Quay Walker rookie year. I think he's fairly safe. I think he's done enough with that position. I know the run game in general hasn't been good, but he's he's gotten players to play above what you would normally expect from them, I think is fair to say. Like, Chris Barnes is a starter. That's more than anyone would anyone would have expected of him. Uh, Isaiah McDuffie at least having a good game. That's more than most people would expect of him. Getting getting Campbell that not getting Campbell that first team All Pro, but coach like getting putting Campbell in a position to win that first team All Pro. Um, getting Quay Walker rookie year, like I said, being I think overall a success. I think he's pretty safe. Yeah, the other thing you know, I remember thinking about last year as it goes on and Campbell's having such a great year. We you know, talk about whether. Uh, um, Barry is like the inside linebacker uh, whisperer. Yeah, it's true. Where, you know, inside linebackers seem to be having career years under him, um, though it didn't happen this year. Right? Yeah, and the one thing I would say in terms of uh, you know how the unit is done, they regressed a lot this year compared to 2021. That's um, true. At least for the run defense, their open field ranked by DVOA was third in 2021, and they fell all the way to 19th in 2022. Mm-hmm. And that's supposed to measure, well, both the linebackers and safeties um, uh, performance against the run. Yeah. And I mean, a down year, but I think not quite enough for him to be shown the door, I think. Yeah. And and I would say, you know, they have put, uh, they've invested in the position. I don't think they'll be doing anything big anymore. No. They already did a lot more last than expected. Year. Yes. Yeah. You know, I saw people late in the, pre-draft season, starting to mock inside linebackers to the Packers in the first round. I was like, 
That's I insane. Like, I was like, really? clearly, they, clearly course, you know nothing about the not. Packers. Clearly, right. Clearly, those guys do nothing about the Packers because the Packers <gasps> don't value the position, and they just signed to an extension uh, inside yeah. linebacker. There's no gonna, way they're going to get one yeah. in the first round. They're not going to take another linebacker. That's not how the Packers – and then here we are. And here we but, are with uh, a high – you know, high value uh, signed free agent and a first round, first pick. round, first pick. Yeah, and I think that the front seven overall. Let's kind of wrap this up. Was I think a disappointment this year, but I think that there are causes for some optimism going forward. Getting Wyatt more snaps, getting Quay Walker more uh, accustomed to playing in that role at the NFL level, getting Campbell and him more used to each other, getting. Slayton more snaps, getting Clark more over to three tech, getting Gary back, hopefully healthy, knock on wood, getting an Ingbari more developed, maybe probably hopefully adding another piece at both interior D line and edge would be super helpful. I think that there are definitely places that this D line, this front could improve and be a strength for the team going forward. It's close. I feel like it's close to being a good front seven. It's very close. Yeah. I feel like there are pieces to be excited about at all three of these groups um, that I think we have a, a good middle linebacker core, even like as a third and fourth, like McDuffie was fine. Barnes, yeah. And, and, and Barnes. Um, and you've got some intriguing talent coming up in the D line group as well yes. as in the edge group, though. I think we really need, I think one more stud in the edge group. Yes. Which is easier said than done, but anyway, let's wrap it up here. As we talked about, we will be doing some more of these pods coming fo- going forward. Next week, we'll be talking about the secondary safeties and corners and how those positions fared this year and how they look going forward. Got a lot to talk about, a lot to be excited about. We'll be doing offense right after that, and we'll be bringing you any Packers news you need. If you enjoy what you listen to, come give us a follow on Twitter, at FatherSonPacker. We'd really appreciate it. We tweet out new episodes, any Packers news, notes from the offseason, mock drafts we've done, any different news articles we find interesting, stuff like that. You can go find it there. Once again, that's at Father Son Packer. If you really like what you listen to, come subscribe to us on YouTube. We'd really appreciate it. It would really help our numbers, Father Son Packers Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, etc. Anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. Thank you again so much for listening. We'll be doing one of these a week through the offseason. Can't wait to talk about the draft. And, Dad, until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.